0: Hello! Welcome to the LibroCube! My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Cubiculus. Let's start a podcast! Oh wait, this... And I don't mean start a new one, I mean this existing one we will start soon. I just have to say that there will be spoilers, as I do at the top of every show, because they're quite possibly... Will be, and this covers my ass for spoilers like so very much underwear on the proverbial spoiler bum. Okay, uh, the other thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. could not even say that with a straight face. The only payment I ask is perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, because those are things that are good for podcasts, and this is a podcast, so what would be good for it? Aha! Okay, so uh, I'm going to push a button, and that'll get us started, like I said earlier. Button works. Oh, shit. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Florence of Alabia. Thank you, sponsorship. Movie The First is uh, a movie, kind of a television show, kind of a special, I think is what you would call it. I decided to throw it in the movie monologue because uh, it suited me to do so. And because this is my podcast, I do what I want, when I want, how I want, not really where I want. Well, I suppose I could. Um, What else is there? What I want, I said. Why, when, where, who I want. No, I can't really do who I want. That would be nice. Anyways, the Bill Murray Christmas special on Netflix is our first item in this movie monologue. Um, I love Bill Murray. Just period, full stop. Without a doubt, hands down, my favorite actor. uh, Comedic or otherwise... Uh, I think he could pretty much handle any role you throw him in, which uh, is impressive. And he's got a face that I feel like I could stare at for hours. So And have done so, I suppose, when you think about it. Uh, that being said, uh, and this has come up before, with specifically, I remember uh, watching the movie version of the Broadway show The Producers. And that is, despite loving the people involved uh, in the case of the producers there was a mel brooks and uh, i like the actors and uh i had heard good things same with us uh something about musicals i i just can't seem to get into uh that being said I, I can't remember what i gave the producers i think i maybe gave it a two or a one or something low anyways which is not really fair if you don't like the genre why are you watching a movie in that genre why are you giving it a bad rating right not fair uh, this one I liked more, though, so I'd probably go uh, maybe just shy of a three, or, or in some three moments, maybe even some odd four and higher moments where they weren't singing. It, it's, I, I don't like it. I, I don't know why. I like music. I like Bill Murray. You'd think the combination of the two I would enjoy, but I don't know. There's just something about... It. And that's not to say this is a musical per se, it's just that's what... It is, basically. <laughs> Excuse me, at its bare bones. Uh, and then there's the whole Christmas vibe, which... Uh, call me a Grinch. Call me an Ebenezer. But uh, I'm not as much, obviously, as when I was a kid get into the whole Christmas vibe. Uh, I, don't, I don't get... The Mrs., for example, uh, bought a Christmas tree this year for the first time ever. And I, I just don't get spending money. If you don't have kids, why are you spending money on... Uh decorations for Christmas time it, it it does not make sense to me Bah humbug, you might say, you might say, which maybe explains my lower, probably the lowest rating I've ever given anything Bill Murray related, which uh, kind of makes sense, I guess in this case moving on dot com. Uh, Okay, so we did Bill Murray. Moving on, is a movie called Strange Blood. Ooh, this is a horror-y movie, I guess you would say. Uh, Let me read the imbed. When a brilliant but obsessive scientist goes to extremes to develop a universal cure for all disease, he finds himself infected with a bizarre parasite. Uh, The prop of this thing that he's got, it's like a giant pumping pustule in a jar kind of thing. It looked really cool and gross. Uh, The movie was okay, mostly of the jump scare and gross variety. Uh, Not so much other than that. Uh, Rating-wise, I'd probably go... I'll go three, which, as you know, means I enjoyed while watching it, but wouldn't watch it again. Uh, That probably stands for this pretty well. Uh, I got two other movies, so because this didn't really pull my attention too much, I'm going to move on quickly. Try to actually fit this in for a change, which I'm not very good at doing. Speaking of fitting it in... (laughs) Is that a segue, maybe? Uh, Do I Sound Gay is the next film... Uh, This is a documentary about the stereotypical, quote-unquote, gay voice, uh, which is something that's interesting. And this is one of those documentaries where it's good, but then you get to the end and you realize nothing was actually explained. Like, I I thought it was going to scientifically explain why, not 100% of the time, obviously, uh, but often. Could you even say more often than not? Uh, gay men develop uh, a specific uh, way of talking. Oh, shit. See? Ran out of time. Uh, It explores maybe a little bit on the science side, but not enough for my liking. Not enough for me to say, oh, so that's why it happens. Uh, Some of the ideas, let's call them, theories, let's call them, were uh, quite often, and again, all these things from the movie were never uh this is the case it was quite often the case is uh, uh men gay men spend more time with women so they sort of develop uh speech patterns that are closely more closely resemble that of women so it, that that makes a sort of sense uh all in all was an interesting movie i think i'll stick with a 3 out of 5 for this one as well uh last but not least or is it Lawrence of Arabia That Lawrence of Arabia from 1962. Many, many award-winning. Three hours and 36 minutes of movie this is. Uh, Because uh, this is a little behind-the-scenes action, I watched this during my Christmas holiday. I felt like, if I'm ever going to watch a 3-hour and 36-minute movie, it might as well be during a time in my life where I have 5 days off of work. Uh, This is one of those movies where you always hear, oh yeah, you haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia? You should watch that. Usually an older person saying that. So I thought I'd finally uh, bite the bullet, and now I can say, I've seen that movie. Um, (laughs) It's okay, it's just, as you can imagine, the pacing on the movie is a little on the, um, how you say, slow side. A little bit, yeah. (sighs) Like, uh, it was like, I, I should have written it down, but the amount of minutes before the credits are even done rolling... was a ridiculous amount. Just uh, a... mind-boggling... if you were in the theater and... you'd think you were being punked... the credits took so long... before the movie had even started. Crazy, crazy. Uh, uh, It follows a brilliant, flamboyant... and controversial British military figure... and his conflicted loyalties... during wartime service. So, uh, Lawrence is a British dude... Um, who's helping or hindering the British Army with regards to uh, Arabia. Sure, how about that? Uh, It's pretty good, I suppose. Rating-wise, I'll I'll go... Uh, You you know what? Enjoyed while watching, but wouldn't watch again. That definitely suits... So probably three. Uh, There's no way I could watch this again. (laughs) So... Uh, maybe I'll, I'll lean slightly more towards two and a half right down the middle than three. Convoluted rating that I am known for around the world. There you go. Talk. Today's television talk sponsor is Alien Ab uh, Workout. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I have two items in this television talk, so hopefully I can fit them both in. The first is a television uh, mini-series, I suppose you would say, called Childhood's End. Uh, it was on Showcase. Uh, probably still available on the Showcase website or maybe through an illegal download of some sort. Tisk tsk. tsk. Uh, yeah, so this is based on an um, Arthur C. Clarke novel, or is it a series of novels? Mm, I don't actually know. Uh, I kept seeing uh, uh, previews for it when I'm watching TV with the Mrs. On that note, just because I feel like I haven't mentioned it in a while, I consider myself being uh, sort of having cut the cord from cable. Uh, That being said the missus still does have cable uh, because I can't bring her over to the just watching things from the internet side Uh, and I don't don't blame her at all. She watches a lot of uh, traditional television so a good thing is uh, it allows me when I'm hanging out with her to occasionally see previews for things such as this uh basically it's a sci-fi mini series on Showcase that took Arthur C. Clarke's book Childhood Childhood's End um and turned it into a three parts uh 2 hour a piece series uh that was very very well done um uh, the the sort of story is that uh aliens come to earth which is quite often the story in a science fiction uh story oh boy uh, the aliens, from the moment they appear, uh, don't mean any harm, allegedly. Uh, try not to get into too many spoilers. It's that sort of, and I feel like maybe this has been done before, or maybe he did it and then others stole it. Uh, aliens show up, uh, with seemingly good intentions. They, they don't mean, they mean no harm. They, uh, in this case, cure all diseases. They, uh come up with plans to feed everyone on Earth. They end all war. Uh, it's all good, right? Right? Uh, no, obviously. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I thought, and then I should have realized because this book came out in 1953. I thought the possibility existed that the aliens actually, in a sort of twist, uh, actually, factually would be good. Uh, I, I thought maybe that's where it would headed, that the aliens were good the whole time. Uh, it would have been an interesting little twist to have that happen, but no, they, they end up doing bad things uh, involving children, as the name implies, which I won't go into because uh, I don't have time to because I've tried to jam two televisions into this talk. Uh, rating-wise, actually, on childhood and uh, I go solid 4 out of 5. Yeah, very much enjoyed it. And uh, hope you will too. A lot of uh, a lot of good actors and people you'll recognize from other things. Uh, moving on to uh, Doctor Who. Yes, duh. You might say it'd be surprising if I didn't bring back the husbands of River Song, the Doctor Who Christmas episode. It would be surprising because I haven't not brought brought back br- back a Doctor Who episode yet. I do believe uh, just because they're so sort of easy to talk about in general Uh, if you're unfamiliar with River Song uh, that's a bit of a spoiler and her catchphrase is spoilers so that's ironic coincidental instead of ironic which most people get mixed up myself included from time to time Uh, she is the doctor's wife I suppose you would say they have an interesting relationship Uh, which could be a whole episode onto itself, and that is they're sort of both traveling through time, um, and sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around, and sometimes I think it might not 100% make sense. Uh, The Doctor's going forward in time, and River's traveling backwards in time, and they're meeting in the middle, that sort of thing. Uh, So there'll be a time, there was a time, when River was first introduced, where the Doctor... Didn't recognize her, uh, but she knew the doctor. And uh, we've reached a point where the doctor recognizes her from all their adventures, but she doesn't recognize him. That that sort of idea. So, a sort of crossing in the middle, which is cool. As you've heard, uh, we're out of time. It's Doctor Who. It's Christmas. Those are always fun episodes. Uh, You got giant robots. You got some snow. (laughs) The Christmassy aspects of this. Uh, are few and far between. Uh, It's quite often, like, well, let's look at the last one where they had goddamn Santa Claus. This one, I, I don't really know why it was a Christmas episode, per se. Didn't really make sense. But it was still good. Five out of five for that. Uh, excited for the next series of Doctor Who and what it entails. Wonder there's there's been quite a number of rumors involving Peter Capaldi and uh, this potentially being his last season. Uh, Where's it all going to end? What's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, my sort of hope is that, and I heard I was listening to a podcast today, which I think we're going to talk about later. Yeah, we are um, talking about how Doctor Who nowadays is taken on a sort of much more serious tone, which being someone who's on that sort of eternal struggle and search for shits and giggles, uh, it's definitely leaning more towards the shits than the giggles, which uh, I miss. I, I miss having the, the occasional ha at a, oh, that's probably loud in your ears, sorry, uh, at a Doctor Who episode. So there you go. There's my thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts on the subject as well. Tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood. Forgot my last name. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey decimal system? Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the Accidental Magical Singularity Prevention Hotline. Oh boy. Uh, Okay, so today we are talking, if you're following along, you will already know, or if you've read the episode description, you'll already know, Out of Phase, P-H-A-Z-E, by Pierce Anthony, that rhymes, and you know it rhymes, Marge, Uh, is the book that we're talking today. Uh, Because so far I've read all the Wikipedia descriptions of these books that... Well, reading don't necessarily seem insane, but when, when reciting the, the short blurb describing each book seem like they come from the mind of a madman. So uh, let's stick with that. Out of Phase came out in 1987. Uh, let's see. Out of Phase is about the early adventures of Mac M-A-C-H, as in, uh, no, how would you pronounce that again? I've just been reading it in my brain, Mac. Uh mock, yeah. As in like mock speed, M-A-C-H. And Bane. Okay, let's start again after figuring out how to pronounce mock. Uh Out of Phase is about the early adventures of Mach and Bane. Uh Mock is the robot son of the original Blue Adept slash Sheen. Uh f- from Proton, and Bane, the son of Style slash Lady Blue, from FaZe. Uh, the two discover that they have the ability to switch frames, but have difficulty switching back. Uh, both fall in love with people from the opposite frame Mac with Flita, the daughter of Neasa, the unicorn, and Bane with Agape, an amorphous alien. What? The actual fuck, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, kind of an interesting thing, which is a rare occurrence. Uh, what was that other series? I think it was something with Rust the Legend. Yeah, I can't remember that. Um, rare in a series where uh, you'll you'll sort of jump ahead to totally different characters, uh, and and I like that idea, having it in the take place in the same universe as previous books that you enjoyed. But then, all of a sudden, uh, a whole new cast of characters to sort of play with. Uh, it's, it's a good idea. Uh, Mac and Bane. Mock and Bane, I should say. Uh, one a robot, one a human. They basically switch bodies. It's your classic body switch comedy. Um, but not a comedy. Rather, a sci-fi and a fantasy with a occasional comedicness due to having a robot in a human body going, what the fuck's going on? I gotta pee now? This is ridiculous. Things of that nature have happened. Um, I should perhaps mention, and very, very infrequently I do this, but I kind of had to do it now due to time and uh, perfect circumstances. I'm not 100% done this book. Uh, I've got about 50 pages to go. So, spoilers at the end of the book you probably won't have in this talk of it because I don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, I have enjoyed it. The 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 lovey-dovey parts kind of feel a little weird just in that you have a robot uh, in a human body who wants to have sex with a unicorn. <laughs> uh, to be fair, the unicorn is sometimes, uh, in fact, often in the form of a human with a little bump on her forehead. Uh, and then you have on the 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 science world side of things. Uh, if you haven't been following along, you have two worlds: uh, a world of magic and a world of science. They used to be connected, where it was easy. Well, not maybe easy is not the the right word. Where where people could cross back and forth between them. Uh, it's been you know twenty years, I'd say give or take, since that connection was severed. Uh, and this is the first time that uh, anyone has kind of traveled back and forth between the worlds. Uh, they did it through switching bod- bodies rather than physically. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, the the well, we're out of time. So there you go. I don't have to say anymore because the time ran out. There. Today's game, Gavin sponsor, is... The Hollow Diet. The Hollow Diet. Okay, talking about a game that I would... I never thought I would play... Uh, after certain experiences. Uh, the game in question is Dark Souls 2. Dark Souls 2? Uh, the reason I never thought I would play it... Is because I tried... To play Dark Souls 1. <laughs> Tried, if you're familiar with the series, either having played it or knowing a little bit about the world of video games, you'll know this series is sort of famous for being, uh, if not the hardest, among the hardest video games you will ever play. Just period. Uh, Frustratingly, hair-pullingly, kill-me-now, breaking discs over knee hard. Uh, which is the experience I had with Dark Souls way back when. And it's just such a cool-looking game, Such an, uh, it looks so up my alley that I couldn't resist it, despite sort of knowing beforehand uh, that the possibility exists that I wouldn't have the patience. Uh, my patience as a video gamer, especially as I get older, is less and less. I've talked about this on the podcast a handful of times. Uh, because I only play video games on the weekends only have so many hours to play, uh, I can't spend as much time, perhaps, as I could as a youth, say, playing my uh, Super Mario 64 and getting every single star in the game, that that sort of thing. I I find less and less I have the inclination or, in the case of Dark Souls, the ability to do so. Uh, Just my patience isn't there, and I think there is that possibility that uh, as you get older, your uh, reflexes, your video game reflexes, probably get less and less. It's kind of hard to say. So, for me to play Dark Souls 2, uh, I thought, no, there's no way I'm going to do this. Now, now this is where I sort of underline what I'm going to say next with, come on, come on. Uh, I cheated. <laughs> I cheated a lot in Dark Souls 2. Uh, I I used something called Cheat Engine Which, basically, uh, how I used it was to be uh, invincible. Uh, I used something called God Mode. Now, a lot of people would say, you're not a real gamer, why would you even play it? Uh, That's ridiculous, you suck, lick my taint, Uh, eat cancer and die of AIDS. Things of that nature that people from the internet will say, specifically with regards to the area of video games. Gamergate, let's use as an example... Uh, To that I say this sort of posed question. Uh, Would you prefer that I never experienced Dark Souls 2 knowing that I would have no desire to feel the frustration of the game? Or uh, that I did play it. I did have fun. uh, I did enjoy it immensely. uh, I did explore the areas, get into the, the story... Um, had fun building my character uh, had fun finding things destroying monsters, fighting bosses, Uh, there was that knowledge I suppose that I'm not going to die every 10 seconds like I did playing Dark Souls 1 Uh, that was gone there's that sense of tension that that can bring that I suppose I do not now have Um, but still, that is my question what would you prefer of those two scenarios? I'm waiting for your answer. You're not going to answer me because this is a podcast and I can't hear what you're saying, so you could tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywit, or email me to the address provided in the closing credits. I would love to hear your thoughts on the matter there. Uh, the game. Very, very cool. Uh, so far up my alley. Just the, the look and feel of this game. Uh, sitting in a sort of dark fantasy realm. I, I love a fantasy realm, like the book I was just talking about, Out of Phase. You got your dragons and your goblins and shit like that. This, uh, it's not classical in that sense. There is dragons, I suppose, but it really darkens it. Sort of a, uh, what's his name? Uh, H.R. Gar- Geiger? The guy who did the aliens from Aliens. He he sort of makes everything look spookier, scarier, festering ear, grosser uh, things you will see in this game will haunt your very dreams which uh, which I appreciate the, the the art style of this this game very very much the story uh, brought me in uh, the whole world of dark souls uh, I do enjoy so raining wise if you heard we're out of time so I spent more time talking about cheating than the game itself but hey I'm unprofessional, so I can do how I want, where I want, and as I said earlier. Rating wise, uh, solid 4 out of 5. Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, verging on 5 out of 5 when fighting some of the cool pussy bosses that. things unlike I'd ever seen in other video games. Uh, sort of reminded me a little Devil May Cry, Bayonetta kind of bosses, but uh, darker than those even, which is impressive. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Oh. Friday, Friday, gotta get down. Toss and entry. Hey, is this real life? Internet intercourse. I like turtles. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Tarantino's Terribly Tiny Titties. What the frig will go this time? Okay, uh, so Internet Intercourse item. The first is Best of Comedy Bang Bang Parts 1 to 4, my friends. You are in living in the land of plenty today. Living in the land of plenty. Uh, I've often spoke that Comedy Bang Bang, uh, probably my favorite podcast, mostly in terms of has generated the longest, loudest, and sometimes most painful uh, laughter of any podcast I listen to. Uh, This, if you're not a regular subscriber to it, which I hope you are, uh, will give you an idea of some of the the things that you can expect. Uh, It is four parts each, you know, one and a half to two hours long where they take, uh, I think it was from episode 14 or 15 and count down to number one. As voted by the listener, best episodes of the year. Uh, uh, host Scott Ackerman will bring in guest hosts. Guest host uh, Paul F. Tompkins, who is one of my favorite people in the world of podcasting, just period. Uh, and they sit around, they introduce the clips, talk about them a bit and then play fairly large chunks from each of the uh, quote-unquote best episodes of 2015. A little slice of magic. uh, I'm not 100% done. I've got, I think, about an hour left of, no, less than that, like 40 minutes left of the final episode that just came out today. (laughs) Oh, excuse me, behind-the-scenes action there. It is New Year's Eve Day. Happy New Year's Eve Day. Uh, this will be coming out in February. <laughs> just to give you an idea of how uh, much earlier I record these than they get posted, I like to get a little ahead, because it, uh, it means if you have to take a week off for whatever reason, you can do so. Anyways, uh, anyways, just awesome, uh, and a good introduction to the podcast if you haven't been a regular listener. Okay, so, moving on to... Oh yeah, uh, this is a little self promoting I suppose. Um, One of my new favorite podcasts is called Harmontown. I brought back, uh, I think, episodes 1 to 10 and maybe 10 to 20. I can't quite recall. Um, From episode, I want to say 3, but maybe I'm totally pulling that out of the air. Uh, Dan Harmon uh, sang the words he created for the theme song to the television program Night Court. So Night Court, if you're unfamiliar, was a show about a, you guessed it, night court room. Uh, the theme song, sort of classic, uh, didn't have any words to it. What was it? Saxomophone? Uh, I forget what the instrument is. Kind of a little jazzy feel. Dan uh, Harmon created words to it, uh, sang it on the podcast. Why am I saying all this? Why is this self-promotion? Because... What I did is downloaded that episode, uh, pulled from it the words he sang for the Night Court theme, then put that over top of the actual Night Court theme so it sounds sort of intermingled with one another. Uh, It came out really, really well. Uh, I posted it to YouTube, where you, listening to this, can listen to that. Uh, What would you type? Uh, Night Court theme Dan Harmon Town. Uh, if Harmontown. One of the reasons I'm saying this is because I hope you follow me on YouTube. Uh, I put up one video a week uh, of that sort of nature. Usually a mash-em-up. Um, sometimes other things, sometimes weird things. Uh, f- let's face it, always weird things. Uh, Jordan Maywood on YouTube. Would love a follow and uh, let me know what you think of some of the shit I've created. Uh, for example, I sent that video to all the people from harmontown and spencer one of the harmontownians who runs the uh, dungeons and dragons game on the podcast said uh, i forget what exactly what he said so i may paraphrase paraphrase a bit uh, i think he said nice i'm pretty sure is what he said okay so uh, let's move on to next item after i uh, plugged myself there Ugh. Uh, Nerdist Podcast with guest Quentin Tarantino, yes! Uh, This was sort of a really perfect example of uh, why I love that sort of classic interview-style podcast, of which I'd say Chris Hardwick is definitely uh, among the best at doing so. Uh, They talk of such a wide variety of things. You see Quentin Tarantino do an interview on, say, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, it'll be interesting, but it'll also be, you know, two and a half minutes or maybe seven minutes, let's say, you know, on on a high maximum, uh, which is cool. But to hear him sort of just talk about such a wide variety of free-flowing things for a, you know, an hour and change is really incredible to sort of peer into his brain. Uh, I've never met a Quentin Tarantino movie that I didn't love, that I, I don't think I've ever given any Not a 5 out of 5 that I do recall. That I do recall. So uh, this was good. Uh, As you've heard, we're out of time. So I'll have to do the last item quickly. The last item, uh, sort of a sad item to end this podcast. And that is the, we'll say, quote-unquote, last episode of the Dead Authors Podcast. Oh, with the aforementioned Paul F. Tompkins as host... Uh, in the form of a uh, H.G. Wells. So he pretends to be H.G. Wells, traveling through time, picking up authors, bringing them back to theaters, where he will interview these dead authors in front of a live audience. Uh, This was episode 50. Um, Oh, shoot, who was it? Frank L. Baum of uh, The Wizard of Oz fame. Oh, shit, who the hell was it? Uh, I forget. We're, we're out of time, too, so uh, the fact that I forget is perhaps a blessing. Uh, it's very, very sad to see this podcast go. It was just a matter of not having the time uh, or resources sometimes to be able to do it. Uh, the uh, silver lining is maybe not the right word, but the the thing to remember is that uh, Paul Tompkins says occasionally they will have uh, episodes in the future, From time to time, so it's not going to be a regular podcast like it used to be, but um, I'm I'm going to keep subscribed to it. So occasionally, maybe I'll see something pop up and have a pleasant surprise down the road where a episode will be available. Because this was really an incredible podcast, not just if like me, you read you know like a book a week uh it's it's good comedy regardless of whether you know these offer authors or have read their books because uh, quite like they're not pretending to be the authors really by any means they're just making shit up on the fly which is where a lot of good comedy gold comes from people making shit up on the fly was a wazzle huh see like that Ah, wuzzle, wuzzle, indeed. Folks, that leaves one final thing to say, which is, of course, always the final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. (laughs) I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening